Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowick. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. Hello. With over 300 sunny days per year, it's no secret that Arizona has plenty of sunshine. Overall, Arizona ranks second in the nation in solar energy potential and ranks among the top five states in the nation in total solar-powered generating capacity from both utility and small-scale installations. In the quest for increased clean energy sources, solar provides tremendous opportunities for the state. And on the flip side, challenges and hurdles remain. I'm Karen Nowicki, and you cannot see me today. I'm voice only because I'm also behind the production board as producer. I am the president and owner of Phoenix Business Radio X, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of AZ TechCast, sponsored by Arizona Technology Council. And we have an incredible panel of guests today to help us with this conversation. I'd like to introduce you to Autumn Johnson, Executive Director, Arizona Solar Energy Industries Association. And Autumn is with us via remote today. So you'll see her there on the screen. And in the studio with me, we have Adrian Keller. He's the Arizona Program Director with Solar United Neighbors. And Colleen Mahoney, Vice President with Product Management with Array Technologies. And our guy in the middle is my co-host and friend, Steve Zalstra. He is the president and CEO of the council. And we are looking forward to discussing what's going on with Arizona's digital divide and how we have to conquer this when it comes to solar and the way it shapes our state and our nation. With that, I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves. And Steve, if you don't mind getting us started first, that would be great. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Arizona Technology Council, and all the incredible things that you're doing on behalf of our tech ecosystem. Thank you, Karen. Always a pleasure to be with you. And as you said, we've got some great guests today in a topic that is really important to me and and the Arizona Technology Council. I'm president and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council, as well as our foundation, the SciTech Institute. The Tech Council is a statewide organization. We have offices in Phoenix and Tucson. We have about 750 member companies uh, across the state. We do public policy advocacy at the state and federal level. We do uh, between 100 and 150 events a year. We just had our largest of the year this week, the Governor's Celebration of Innovation. We have lots of publications, uh, two podcasts actually, a magazine, a newsletter, and uh, we negotiate lower cost products and services uh, for our members. We run an association health plan. We run a 401k program. So uh, a comprehensive, full-service trade association representing science and technology-based organizations. Wow. Clearly a pro. You've only said that a, a billion times, <laughs> uh, only a billion times in here. And I know with every time where you welcome people into the events, you, you repeat it. It's always so great to hear about all the great things you're doing. I got to come to the uh, Governor's Celebration of Innovation last year. This year, I didn't get to. I noticed that you were, were you at a larger venue this year. Yes, we actually retooled the whole event. Um, it looked like we that. tightened up the program. Um, 
it was more of a gala, you know, sit down dinner and uh, people had a lot of fun. I'm so glad uh, so to hear that. it was great. Good. And all the great um, acknowledgements, uh, not yeah. only our teachers representing uh, improvements in STEM and really helping our workforce of the future come through, but also a lot of great recognition for not only partners, but also influencers and those companies that are making a difference in a lot of different sectors. It's one of my favorite events of the year because we're celebrating innovators and that's really who we serve. Yep. Love it. Well, thank you for the warm introduction. And I know, Colleen, you mentioned that Array um, is a member of, of Arizona Technology Council. Yeah, Would yes. you be willing to go next and introduce yes. yourself? Come up on that microphone for us. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about you and, of course, about your role with Array. Sure. So my name is Colleen Mahoney. I am with Array Technologies, and I'm the Vice President of Product Management there. For those of you that don't know, Array Technologies is a global renewable energy company and manufacturer. We've been around for a little over 30 years. In Arizona, we are based in Chandler. Very good. And you've been with them? I've been with them a little over a year and a half now. Yeah, and you're loving the role. I am. I'm enjoying the space and solar and the industry. And um, as a native of Arizona, I'm very excited to hear that, you know, and to know that Arizona is in the top five of of solar providers. Yeah, and you grew up here. Where I did. What part of the valley? Yeah, or so I'm assuming I, valley. Yeah, valley. So I grew up in uh, Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, Arizona. So yeah, just love it. Was have moved around a lot, and I'm excited to be back here in the sunny state. And so. she comes from another member company before I this, do. Honeywell. She yes. mentioned, yeah, mentioned yes. Honeywell on our way into the studio today, and you were with them for a while, uh, 19 years. A yeah, while. so both in the aerospace <laughs> side and did a lot of innovation there, and then on the building technology side. So, so great, cool. wonderful, awesome, Autumn. We'd love to hear uh, about you and the role that you play as Arizona. Uh, Executive Director for Arizona Solar Industries Association, and how you landed there. We call it Aracia. Aracia. (laughs) Aracia. That's much easier on my tongue. (laughs) Yes, so tell us a little bit about yourself, the role that you play with the tech ecosystem, and of course, your role with Solar United Neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My name is Adrian Keller, and I'm the Arizona Program Director for Solar United Neighbors, or SUN for short, as we uh, (laughs) refer to it. Mostly, we love acronyms in this business. Um, If you're unfamiliar, Solar United Neighbors, we are a national nonprofit solar advocacy organization. We have field staff on the ground in 12 states, as well as D.C. and Puerto Rico. The biggest thing that we do is organize solar co-ops, which is an opportunity for groups of homeowners to install rooftop solar at the same time uh, and get a bulk discount due to economies of scale. That's really the bread and butter of our work here in the state of Arizona. We've run co-ops across the state, uh, but we also represent the interests of solar owners and prospective solar owners at the local, state, and federal level. We're working to advance policies that make it easier to go solar um, and also cheaper to go solar here in the state. So great. Well, we definitely have the right panel and we have Leslie Martinez, or Marquez, excuse me, to thank for that over at Arizona Technology Council. Let's start with the first question for each of you and we'll begin with the studio. Please tell us you who you are and give me that acronym again, Steve. For- Aracia. Aracia. Tell us a little about Aracia. Yeah, I apologize. I got dropped from the video, so I missed everything until the end of Steve's comments. I'm Autumn Johnson, Executive Director of Aracia. Um, it's a wildly complicated acronym, and so I, I don't. Um, it, it makes sense to just jump to that as opposed to giving out the full the full name. Um, we are the state solar storage and electrification trade association. We um, focus on policy advocacy related to all scales of solar at every branch of government in Arizona, as well as at our three largest utilities. 
we spend a lot of our time at the Corporation Commission with the governor's office and with the legislature. And But we have a growing amount of time spent with city and county supervisors as well. And um, also engage in resource planning, rate cases, and those kinds of things um, with, with our major utilities. And I hear some beautiful singing voices in the <laughs> background. Tell us a little bit about your crew that's with you working today. Yeah, I've got two under two and they both are sick. So it's a little extra exciting over here. And I sound a little bit weird because I'm also sick. So um, <laughs> it's a perfect storm of things to well, add uh, IT. So I apologize. No, hey, listen, after COVID and the way yeah. we all found ways to roll, we, yeah. we're all kind of used to it, right? <laughs> and I'm going to um, I'm gonna let Steve, if you don't mind teeing up the first question, I'm going to move um, this screen so that you all can see each other after oh, all. Great. And I'm just letting Leslie know in the chat that I'm going to give you my cell number in case you need me because I will not be able to see the chat. But on that note, Steve, tee off the first question for us. Yeah, so uh, I think a good way to start is to talk about what the solar landscape looks like uh, here in Arizona. And just in general, what's going on with solar these days uh, everywhere. And uh, why don't we start with Colleen? You know, I'm really excited coming into this industry because I think it's a growing industry. One of the things we're seeing is that there's, you know, 20% growth year over year just in solar in itself. And it's actually surpassing that of coal. And I think that means a lot for us here in Arizona, not only with what's going to happen with the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, but what that means from only not only a consumer perspective uh, for solar, but also utility scale solar as well. And so I'm excited, you know, with more than 6.5 gigawatts installed um, and close to a million homes supplied um, solar energy, I think there's a lot of opportunity here in the state. Obviously, we have sunny skies all the time. So I think there's a lot of change coming, not only on a national level, but on a, a, a global level as well. And then also for Arizona too. So I'm excited to see what, what comes. And I think we're seeing a lot of transition, but I think there's a lot of up in the air still with what's going to happen and what it means for incentives. Adrian. Yeah, you know, we're in a really interesting position right now with solar in the state of Arizona. On one hand, we've got these incredible federal investments that are starting to flow into our communities. We've got new tax credits for solar and storage, and those are helping sort of elevate this industry here in the state. But at the same time, literally at the same time, we have a, a corporation commission who regulates our utilities, who is attempting to reduce solar rate credits, which mostly affects rooftop solar owners. That just means it's the payback period to break even on a solar system has been extended and the Corporation Commission seems interested in making that even longer. So it's a, a really fascinating paradox right now of, of we've got amazing federal support finally for solar that we've been fighting for for years. But at the same time, we have states like Arizona who uh, are trying to make it harder for rooftop solar owners to benefit from that. Adam, what's your perspective on this? Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's kind of in some ways, nowhere to go but up uh, as far as Arizona and solar goes. Um, solar is only about 10% of Arizona's electricity uh, mix, which is seems really small given how sunny it is here. And so I think that there's a lot of opportunity for improvement there. I think from a policy perspective, as Adrian was mentioning, you know, we're seeing a lot of headwinds, honestly, at all scales of solar. So Arizona uh, has no community solar market. Unlike a lot of other states, um, the Corporation Commission basically made a determination earlier this year that basically made the opportunity to move into that market um, impossible with the current framework. Um, we're seeing growing local opposition to utility scale project development. I'm having to go to city council meetings and board of supervisors meetings a lot more than I would have expected because of 
things like moratoriums or restrictions on building out utility scale solar. And then as Adrian touched on, we're just seeing a lot of opposition at the state level to distributed solar. Distributed solar right now, installations are down about 30% year over year. Um, and part of that is because of really high interest rates. And part of that is because of the way that we regulate rooftop solar in Arizona and how export rates are calculated. Um, so it's it's a mixed bag with a lot of room for opportunity, I think. You know, I mentioned earlier, uh, the Tech Council does public policy and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of technology related issues uh, in the policy realm. But I probably spend most of my time focused on energy policy, and so does our um, our lobbyists, because this is such a hot and important area. So uh, a, a lot of very difficult things going on. I mean, we, at the legislature, uh, we spend most of our time defending mm -hmm. solar and, mm -hmm. and clean yeah. energy. And um, so Autumn's right, right on point. It's a difficult environment here. The Arizona Corporation Commission is definitely gone the wrong way. So there's going to be a long fight ahead in order to make this come to fruition. If I may, just one bright spot in the state of Arizona right now, Governor Hobbs uh, reinstated Arizona's state energy office, which here is called the Office of Resiliency. Uh, when Governor Ducey was governor, we were one of the few states that didn't have an energy office. And that was really challenging for Arizona, especially when it comes to the implementation of some of these federal uh, monies. So I, I want to give props where props is due mm -hmm. to the governor for reinstating that office. It's already made a huge difference, and we're going to more easily be able to trace and track the federal dollars flowing into Arizona communities, specifically for solar. Yeah, and Marin Mahoney. Uh, runs that office and she's spectacular. So the governor's office is very much on board, obviously, with clean energy and put a really great team together. And as indicated, trying to leverage to the extent we possibly can the unbelievable investment the federal government is making in clean energy. $369 billion in the Inflation Reduction mm -hmm. Act is going toward clean energy and e-mobility. So um, those are real positives. And by the way, Arizona has benefited from the IRA more than any other state in the United wow. States. $9 billion so far and 12,000 jobs. So uh, we're rolling because we have a lot of companies, right? Mm -hmm. um, Lucid and Nikola and many other electric vehicle companies, all the battery companies coming in, uh, Core Power, uh, American Battery, LG, and so on. So they're leveraging this federal investment on behalf of Arizona. And Steve, if I could, Steve, if I could just touch on that really quickly, I, I think what's fascinating is, um, in addition to all of the federal investment that you're talking about, you know, solar is just great for the state generally, even without that. I mean, we're talking about an industry that employs more than 8,000 people in the state of Arizona and contributes more than $1.5 billion annually to our economy. And so it's a little bit wild that so many state policymakers are interested in and basically penalizing the industry or reducing it when it's really been a success story for Arizona. And there's just a lot of opportunity um, to continue on that path. So um, let's dig into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> um, Colleen, can you discuss how Array Technologies uh, engineered simplicity into your solar tracker technologies and how that contributes to sustainability and reliability and 
different climates and different terrains around the world? Sure. Yeah. Obviously, sustainability is at the forefront of everything we do. So for me in product management, and when I'm working with my engineering teams, that's that's core to what we do, the design, making sure that we don't have, for example, disruption to the environmental space, right? For example, we have a location where we had to make sure turtles in the area were, were not going to be disrupted. So that's kind of forefront of everything we do. As we look at countries and even states trying to reduce their carbon footprint and their dependencies on fossil fuels, greenhouses, you know, reduce air pollution, that's something we're constantly thinking about as we're designing our products and what can we make sure that that is available to our customers that's going to have that available. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your product, Smart Tracker? That seems to be a game changer in the industry. and um, Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. I'll talk a little bit about Smart Track. If For those of you that aren't you know, in solar, think about it like your ring doorbell um, or your Nest thermostat, right? And so it's basically um, a, a suite of software to make sure that our utility-scale uh, solar trackers are optimized and that they're running in a manner in which we'd have uptime and the capacity is at its max. So for us, it is a a game changer in that we're making sure that there's no downtime for the trackers, um, which obviously means more energy efficiency for for our customers. Very cool. Well, Adrian, you talked about the Arizona Corporation Commission to uh, our chagrin, and I'm sure everyone in this room's uh, chagrin. The Arizona Corporation Commission recently uh, reopened the 2017, what was called value of solar docket, that has a profound uh, impact. And, uh, you know, there were years and years of hearings and even lawsuits and so on involved. And we all thought, you know, come to a a, a good agreement. And it's specifically to the things that Adrian talked about, you know, how solar customers can get back the investment that, that they've made over town. Can each of you talk a little bit about how reopening that docket is going to change things and what you all are going to do to maintain what we've already fought so hard for? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and to your point, the decision in 2017 um, was in no way a victory for the the solar industry, but we kind of saw it as a compromise. So we got rid of full net metering, that one-to-one ratio that any excess solar generation uh, you're feeding back to the grid, you would have gotten credited at the exact same rate. So instead, the Corporation Commission set up a system, what we call export rates or the resource comparison proxy. So solar owners in the state are still compensated for any excess solar they feed back to the grid, but it's just at a set flat rate. And that 2017 decision said utilities can decrease that rate by up to 10% each year. So the credits slowly dropped a little bit in quality every single year. And that was the current situation. That is the current situation of solar right now. We were very shocked and surprised when last month uh, a single commissioner introduced some amendments to significantly reduce those export rates past the 10%. Uh, He also looked into uh, talking about changes to grandfathering protections for net metering customers who went solar before 2017. This was a a warning bell, an (laughs) alarm. Uh, The solar industry was terrified. People who were going solar, who had just signed a contract to go solar, Mm -hmm. were like, well, what the heck? Like, Am I still going to get paid for this? I got phone calls from people who were scared and angry and frustrated and just didn't know what was going on. So I want to start by saying that even the decision just to reopen this discussion, just to start the discussion, 
caused so much immediate uncertainty and chaos in the solar market. Uh, and I think we're already starting to see, see the results of that. So really briefly, where we are right now, uh, Solar United Neighbors, Aresia, some of the other uh, policy organizations in the state, we rallied hundreds of people to attend that Corporation Commission meeting in person. There was actually a very long line outside the door. Thankfully, the commission backed off on its threat to adjust grandfathering protections for net metering customers, but they're still opening a hearing process to consider changes to that export rate credit. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're at now. So we don't have a ton of details about how that process is going to unfold. It's probably going to be very long again, just like the 2017 was. This process is expensive. It is time consuming. And the interesting thing is we've heard from TEP and APS that they don't want this to happen. They were mm -hmm. fine with how solar currently is. Crazy. And this is a huge expense for them as well. So nobody's excited about <laughs> this. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Wow. Yeah, and just so you know, uh, the Arizona Technology Council uh, uh, put our comments in the docket and also provided, I wasn't able to be there for to provide live testimony, but I provided written testimony. And uh, obviously it was against reopening this, this mm -hmm. docket, but it's happening uh, regardless. Uh, Autumn, can you give us your insight on this particular issue? I know you have a lot. I was just trying to think about what, what's the most efficient way to kind of talk about my opinions on this topic. I guess I would say two things. I mean, one is I think what's really important is what Adrian touched on. What Adrian touched on just at the end there is that you know we had the procedural conference for this, and there isn't anybody who wants to go down this road. Literally, no one is interested in talking about this. So it's a little bit unclear what we're having a hearing to decide, since no one is adversarial to each other in the proceeding. Um, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. As far as the expense goes, I mean, by the time this issue was resolved, we would largely be at the point where the export rate would have hit avoided cost anyway. So it's essentially a lot of taxpayer money and ratepayer money to pay for people's attorneys at the ACC and at the utilities because ratepayers pay for all of the attorneys that each utility has participating in these processes just to pay them to do what we to get to probably what we would have gotten to anyway, even if we didn't do the hearing. So, um, if, you know, if you're concerned about, you know, a government bureaucracy, um, that should be cause for concern for you. And then I just say that the last thing is that, you know, I think that this is a really good indication of elections have consequences. We're in a situation in Arizona where, unfortunately, you know, ideology is sort of ruling the day, you know, kind of the idea of small government or um, the Republican Party being really interested in economic development and business certainty and those kinds of things is, is not where we are right now. This is sort of a renewables are bad, um, not that they're a business in and of themselves. This, I think, just highlights the fact that people need to get all the way down the ballot and vote for corporation commissioners. And whether or not you support whether or not you support solar or not, I think that you just need to realize that these decisions are going to have an impact on our economy. Mm -hmm. Colleen, now you're providing technology uh, yep. to the industry and decisions like the like these, how, how do they impact you? They impact us immensely. I mean, obviously, as we look at, um, you know, when we're developing products, we have to look at, okay, do we go with, um, you know, aluminum? Do we continue down the path of um, steel? One of the things that, you know, we look at is what with the IRA bill, for example, when it comes out, what is the definitions and what's a component versus a subcomponent? Sub what does that mean for us and our designs in our tracker technology? Mm. And so it has a huge impact when we look at, um, on the flip side, when we look at Arizona and, it, you know, to Autumn's point, you know, it has a huge impact on our local economy. We're looking at what does that mean for job creation? You know, not only for people coming to Array, but we're also looking at, okay, 
universities and, and students going into these fields and what does that mean to them? And then what's that going to look like going forward? One of the things we're doing at Array is we're looking at an Array Academy and that's where we would go train, do some trade uh, training. And so we can get people out on the field, helping us install uh, trackers. Um, so we're looking at mitigating anything that would come depending on what comes of these policies. That's awesome. We have a, a member, uh, if I'm correct, it's Erevan, uh, which is the largest uh, solar developer in the United States. Mm. And they're headquartered in Arizona. Oh. And they tell me that this is one of the most difficult states to operate in mm -hmm. when it comes to solar. And we already touched on the why that is. I mean, really, yeah. And it's shocking given that we have so much sunshine yeah. <laughs> and so much lever. It's reminding me, Steve, of the last uh, AZ Tech Cast show that we did last month when we were talking about international trade. Yes. And we were celebrating quite a bit. We knew we had more work to do, but we were celebrating really government and private entities as well as public all coming together on behalf of really doing what's best for our community and our economy. And it's frustrating to hear what you have to share around this topic. Yeah. And um, to a large extent, you know, those are folks in economic development or people on committees that are focused on economic development and uh, politicians that aren't as um, ideologically one way or, or another. So, you know, it depends on where you look. It's a different uh, conversation. It's a whole different conversation. And a whole different commitment level. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So any of you have any thoughts about what's going to happen um, with, with the future of the ACC? As, as we know, um, we've talked about some of the issues that solar is facing as a result of that. There will be elections again in the mm, future, yeah. which can potentially change that. Any, any other comments about the ACC and what might roll in the future? I mean, it is a big question mark right now. One of the big question marks is, is we don't know how long this process is going to take. There's part of us that kind of hopes it continues to drag out long into next year because people are really concerned about this and we think this could be an animating issue. But there's there's a lot of question marks right now and I wish I had more answers. Yeah, and, and what we found ourselves doing is, um, like never before over the last three years especially, is uh, fighting against pretty crazy legislation, uh, right? Uh, Anti-solar, anti-clean energy. Um, there was a bill last session that uh, attempted to outlaw ESG, Yeah, which, you know, is mind-boggling, right? How do you even do that? <laughs> anyway, thank you for that. So an item that the Tech Council worked very hard on leading up to its passage was the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> uh a lot of the leadership for that bill and really the pivotal vote came from Senator Sinema. Yeah. And uh, of course, we've been working with her for many years and particularly in, in this area. Um, can each of you talk about how you think the IRA is going to help solar, particularly here in Arizona, and maybe talk about some of the details, the, the incentives and in your case, Colleen, whether yep. you're able to leverage those uh, yep. incentives and those investments. Uh, why don't we start with you? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see how things shape up with the Inflation Reduction Act. Obviously, it's something that is top of mind for us and we're, and we're monitoring. I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier with regard to, you know, how things will be treated at the component level, the subcomponent level, and what that means to us and, and the value that not only we'll get as a company, but our customers will get as well and what that means, um, you know, 
to the economy. I think with the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, we're seeing a lot of people enter this market space that aren't from from the U.S., meaning additional suppliers coming in, which is really interesting because, you know, I think the IRA is providing an opportunity for for homegrown supply, you know, the domestic supply chain, whereas, you know, the competitors might be bringing it in from overseas. And so I think it'll be interesting to see that play out um, over the next, you know, couple months. Um, I, you know, solar is here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. It's just to what degree will will we all be playing in it, and what what degree will um, you know we'll see the see companies playing and see changes and shifting and not only local but global presence in yeah. solar. Mm-hmm. So this is a really important topic, and we have to hear from our sponsor. Okay. <laughs> so uh, why don't we do that, and then we'll come back uh, to the same question. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Here we go. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. And we're back. I just want to real quick uh, tag off of what Steve said before we went to that little sponsorship spot and uh, be grateful again for Arizona Commerce Authority, who is AZ TechCast 2023 Innovation Sponsor. And let's go back to the conversation that was posed ahead of that break, Inflation Reduction Act and how that helps Arizonans go solar. Let's hear from Autumn, if you would, please. I guess I would just touch on a few areas um, where I think that there's some opportunity uh, one of those is sort of the incentive when it comes to individual homeowners that install residential rooftop solar. So it'll obviously be helpful in making um, the projects more economic, especially with uncertainty at the ACC. But I'll let Adrian kind of delve more into that because that's really his bread and butter. Two other areas that I would just touch on are within the um, integrated resource planning process that all the major utilities undergo. We really, we actually hired a consultant this time and really pushed the utilities to consider all of the different provisions of the IRA within their modeling. That modeling is really important because it helps inform um, all source requests for proposals and the resources the utilities are looking to add over the next 15 year horizon. And so it's really important that they're looking at IRA uh, benefits as far as, um, you know, which kinds of resources that they're adding over what time horizon. 
The last area I would just touch on are specific grant proposals that are, you know, coming to Arizona. So Arisia worked really closely with Sun and the State Energy Office on the Solar for All grant um, under the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund from the EPA. And that could be bringing as much as $250 million to the state to specifically look at solar programs. And so those things are really important for the industry and also, you know, for people that live in Arizona and want to add solar. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for touching on those items, Autumn. There's a lot of really exciting programs in the Inflation Reduction Act. This mm-hmm. was a huge priority for Solar United Neighbors. We had our members calling Senator Cinema, asking her to please pass this bill when it was time. So a couple of the ones that we're most excited about that affect uh, homeowners in particular is the 30% solar tax credit. If the inflation reduction had not passed, that tax credit was scheduled to step down and it would have eventually reached 0%. The Inflation Reduction Act expands and extends the 30% tax credit until 2032. So a full 10 years, that's going to help people plan better. Um, They know there's going to be a certainty in that tax credit. The IRA also expands that 30% tax credit to battery storage. Mm -hmm. And that's now true whether or not it's paired with solar. So if you went solar last year and this year you want to add a battery, you can get a 30% tax credit for that standalone battery storage, which is really exciting. One other piece is something called direct pay. So before the IRA uh, tax exempt organizations like a church or a school or a nonprofit, they were not able to claim that tax credit because they did not pay federal taxes. With direct pay, eligible entities like nonprofits can receive 30% in the form of just a direct payment from the IRS. So for the first time ever, any nonprofit entity can get 30% credit as well for going solar. And I'm extremely excited about this because we've seen an influx of calls from houses of worship and nonprofits, schools, uh, even city governments who can now get this extra incentive to go solar. It's going to make a huge difference in Arizona. Yes. So uh, one of the interesting things is, first of all, we now have some photovoltaic companies that are here in Arizona. One that's a member of the tech council is called JA Solar. So We had them in the past, but in the late 2000s, they all left Arizona, but Mm. they're starting to come back. What's also important is that the price of solar was an issue for so long, right? But today, solar is the most economical way, period, Mm. to get power. It beats coal, it beats gas, it beats every other source. The other thing that's been addressed now is, you know, Solar doesn't work very well at night, but now with the batteries that you can store it, um, you can store that energy to use when it's needed, particular, particularly during uh, peak hours. And what's really cool about what's going on from an economic development standpoint is we now have four battery factories in, in Arizona. And um, Elon Musk coined this term when he, <laughs> when he, when he built his factory uh, first in California and then in Texas, but they're going to be gigafactories. Oh. And giga is a Greek word for giant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, so LG is investing $5.5 billion in both a plant for transportation batteries as well as storage. Core Power, another member, is uh, building a 1.5 million square foot facility out in, uh, in Buckeye. I just talked to the president CEO of American Battery uh, last week. They just broke ground on a, a gigafactory in Tucson. And then Scion, which has been here for a while, has a little different chemistry, is doing a huge expansion. So the LG plant will be the largest battery 
facility in the United States. Wow. Uh, so we're we're beginning to build this industry. And of course, all this supports e-mobility too. There's a lot of incentives within the IRA for electric vehicles. And we now have five electric vehicle companies uh, in Arizona as well. So the IRA is really critically important. And I'm really happy to say that the governor's office and Marin Mahoney are doing everything possible to take full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're also home to the country's largest solar panel recycler. Uh, we recycle solars based out of Yuma. Um, I can't remember if it was the infrastructure bill or the IRA, but there were incentives to set up uh, panel recycling plants, and they took a big advantage of that. So really excited to see that up and running in Yuma. And, and by the way, we have four of them now. So uh, in, in Gilbert, we have LiCycle. So it takes a lithium-ion battery back to its constituent materials so mm. it can be entirely reused. Uh, there's another uh, company uh, called Ecobat, which is um, being built in, in Casa Grande, and another one called, I think it's Kerba. So mm. now we have four yeah. battery recycling plants. So our, our landfills are not going to be full of batteries. They're going to be completely reused, mm, yeah. uh, which is really cool. And for Autumn and for our viewers, I'm going to pan a little bit away from our panelists, but can you see the solar panels behind them? I don't know if you can, can you see that very oh, well yeah. on the I screen? Can see it <laughs> there. Uh-huh. Yeah, there, it's, I'm going to get rid of everybody's head, but there they are. I, I always smile when we have conversations about solar here because right <laughs> out the window, we've got all happening right there. So let me bring our folks back. In the, it should be every parking lot. In the right? Yeah, it I should agree. be. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's not a green screen. That's legit right here at, <laughs> Ma- right here at Mac 6. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure many consumers have questions about going solar. Can you each uh, share what you know about how they can go find more information and get that guidance they need? Happy to start with that. Yeah. Uh, that's a <laughs> I really was big say, or not. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so that is a huge thing that Solar United Neighbors or Sun does. Uh, we help people go solar through our group buying solar co-ops, but also individually. If somebody has questions about going solar, we understand it can be a pretty complicated and intimidating process, and a lot of people don't know where to start. And that's a, a wonderful thing about what we do as a nonprofit is we have free education, technical advice. We can look at your roof. We can check out your utility bills all for free to help you better understand if solar is the right choice for you. There's a lot of solar companies and sales companies in the state, and uh, it can be intimidating to talk to those folks sometimes Mm -hmm. when you really just have some simple questions about your eligibility for solar. Maybe you're not really ready to talk to somebody in sales yet. So uh, I'm Big plug for Solar United Neighbors. We would be happy to uh, go on that journey with you and help in any way, any way possible. Autumn, anything to add? Yeah, Aresia uh, maintains a solar customers webpage. So obviously, we're a trade association, so most of our work is focused on the industry. But consumer protection is a really important issue that you know impacts the the overall health and view um, of the public of the industry. And so, on our solar customers page, we. Um, we do link to Sun's resources as well as several others from SIA, um, from some of the utilities and things like that. We um, we kind of have things in there about what kinds of things to look for in bids, how many bids to get, um, places you can go if you have a problem with a solar contractor and things like that. We've also worked to build relationships with the BBB, the ROC, the AG's office, um, among others, the ACC Consumer Protection or Consumer Services Office, and those kinds of things. So we're Taking that issue really seriously, I get a lot of emails and calls about different things related to solar, and I do try to get back to every single person individually. But 
a lot of times I do send people to some and they will actually evaluate proposals for you too, up to three. And so I think it's a really fantastic resource and people, when you're buying solar, you just really need to do your due diligence and make sure that you're buying from a reputable company. And if that company is a member of the tech council or Aresia, that's probably a good start. Yeah. By the way, you may not know that the Arizona technology council is another resource uh, in that we have a program uh, it's a collaboration with a national organization that has buying power for solar and has vetted all the, the vendors. And um, so the way it works for us is a tech council member, which is a company, buys into the program and then it provides discounted solar for their employees. And we're negotiating right now with TSMC. They're very interested in the program and providing that service to all their employees. Well, that's Which exciting. Cool, that's right? Are we hearing it for the first time right here? That, well, no, we've had, we've had it for a couple of years, but this is probably the first time we've mentioned it on, I, uh, on we, this. First time I've heard it. Yeah. Show, yeah. Fantastic. Any other thoughts around uh, Shop and Solar and, and where we can get info? You ready to go on to the next question? Always, always, always get multiple bids. Yeah. I have heard a lot of horror stories from people who sign with the very first person that comes to their door. Mm. Um, that might not be the best option. It might be a great option, but mm. always, always get at least three bids so you can better compare your options. Uh, I'll just give you my view of the world. Don't buy solar from someone that cold calls you at your house. Sure. <laughs> because there are lots of shysters uh, when yeah. it comes to the industry, it's given the industry a bad name, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Go to Aresia and organizations like that who really know these vendors and, and make sure they're reputable uh, because there are lots of reputable organizations out there. And uh, just uh, I, I'm very wary of ever engaging with someone who cold calls your front door. And I have them at my door all the time. Yep, I, we do. Uh, I send them away. Yeah, like everything, do your due diligence, right? Yeah. And and what great resources we have through the Arizona Tech Council and everything that you've mentioned here. For our business leaders and our business owners who are listening, right? The work that Arizona Tech Council Council does on behalf of your business, your organization, not only the people you serve, but also your employees uh, is really second to none. So thank you for that. And I had no idea about the, the solar aspect yeah. with this and how that then goes to the homeowner. That's correct. So can each of you talk about some key wins that your organization has had uh, in recent years in the solar space? Uh, Adrian, you want to start us off? Yeah, I think one one really big one, I mean, obviously the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act is a huge win, but I'm going to get a little bit deeper mm-hmm. than that. Um, Autumn touched on this something called Solar for All, which is a program outside of the out out of the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, and this policy is really aimed at getting rooftop solar on the homes of low to moderate income households. Each state has an opportunity to apply for these grants, and because we operate in so many states, uh, we were kind of brought on by the governor's office to help them understand what this program does, how it can help Arizonans, and how to best design. That program, we worked closely with Autumn as well on this with the governor's office. Uh, They submitted that application just recently. And if they received the funds, they could help more than 10,000 Arizonans, 10,000 people install rooftop solar. And those will all be low to moderate income households. So I just, I feel very proud of the work that Sun and ARC and some of the other groups had a role to help the governor's office get that across the finish line. We're hoping to hear back from the EPA in March, but I, I couldn't be more excited to help get solar on the houses of more low income families. 
before I move to Colleen, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to understand that um, the Inflation Reduction Act also has a provision called Justice 40. And Justice 40 assures that 40% of the benefit of the $369 billion goes to rural and underserved areas. Doesn't mean the dollars go there, but the benefit of the investment of those dollars. So this is about helping rural communities and uh, urban communities as, as well. So they haven't been left out in this, in this particular uh, case. Colleen, some yeah. big wins for you? Yeah, so I, I think for everyone in solar, um, you know, the IRA was was a big win. And I know that our um, ESG group and our government relations group was obviously at the forefront of that. For where I see it in Arizona um, and big wins for us, you know, obviously that meant we won more opportunities here, um, utility scale opportunities in the state. But for me, it's more about what what are we doing to the economy and what are we doing for um, individuals coming up, um, going to university, looking for trade, needing roles. And I think that's where, at least from my perspective, we we had interns coming in this year. Um, this summer, we have some coming next year. We're also looking at, as I mentioned, um, an Array Academy, which would be helping individuals who don't necessarily want to go to college, learn a trade and, and building that up, knowing that labor, there's going to be a labor shortage within the industry you know, soon. And so we're trying to do our best to, to play our part and to make sure that we're, we're able to service the solar industry as much as possible. Very good. Mm -hmm. And Autumn? Thanks, Steve. I mean, we work on all scales of solar. So there's been, you know, a myriad of, of wins, I would say, over the last couple of years. You know, between the set of rate cases um, this round and last round, you know, we've, we've been able to eliminate punitive fees by the utilities as far as rooftop solar customers. So we were able um, to eliminate the great access charge in APS's last rate case and the TEP's DG meter fee um, was removed in TEP's most recent case. We're working on establishing virtual power plants with both TEP and APS. And so those are still ongoing processes, but our our work there has been really important um, for that. She was coloring really nicely for like, while everyone else was talking, then of course, as soon as I unmute, then it's when, that's when we're upset. I guess the other thing that I would you know touch on that we've been working really hard on as well, we you know, have been really involved in the IRP and all sourced um, RFP processes for the utilities in Arizona. And so, um, you know, increasing the, the sort of the weighting for clean energy technologies is something that we've participated in. Um, and so you know, there's just a lot of work. I guess I just mentioned also at the legislature, you know, Steve mentioned that we're always playing defense, which is really unfortunate given our geography and our economy. But um, we have been successful in defeating a myriad of bad bills over the last several years. I think this year, you know, we did get some wins. Um, you know, 2496 passed, which eliminated some bureaucracy for transmission line fighting. Um, and then we were able to, to defeat a number of other punitive bills towards solar um, or amend them in a way um, in which it was a win-win for the industry. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll end there. Thanks. We talked a lot of about challenges today. Are there any challenges that we haven't had an opportunity to yeah. discuss that our audience should know about? One challenge that we continually face, again, mostly focusing on, on residential solar is um, SRP, which, which didn't get talked a lot about today because they are set up a little bit differently. So they're not as regulated by the Corporation Commission as your TEP or your APS. Mm -hmm. They have their own board of directors and this really unique uh, structure set up. 
as a result of that, they have some of the worst solar credits in the state of Arizona, um, even worse than APS or TEP. It's probably one of the most common you know, complaints or emails I see every day is, why is it so hard to go solar in SRP? Why is the payback period double than my neighbor in APS? And uh, it all comes down to policy. It comes down to that board and the decisions that they're making very intentionally. Um, you may be asking yourself who elects that board. The SRP ratepayers do, but uh, it's it's voting based on land ownership. So one acre, one vote, um, which makes it very, very challenging to make any movement on that board to help uh, advance solar policy. So that's a huge challenge that we face in trying to expand access to solar in the state. And uh, we're always working to try to advance better solar policies when SRP, but it's a really tough fight. Are any of you willing to uh, rank order SRP, APS, and TEP in terms of their um, (laughs) support of solar? I'm really curious if Autumn is willing to do that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like I need a little meme where I have like, it's like a little bit of a horse race between the utilities because <laughs> which one which one I think is worse depends on the issue and depends on the day. Um, I, I, I think as far as, you know, export rate goes, certainly um, I think that SRP is the worst, but I think some of the rhetoric out of APS's most recent rate case is extremely to hostiles to solar. So, you know, I really think it's an unfortunate holdover, I think, from a lot of baggage over the last decade or so. And there really isn't a reason why these industries need to be adversarial to each other. I mean, they need solar uh, because they are seeing massive load growth. Um, and we obviously need the utilities because we're in a monopoly system. And so there's opportunity for win-win there. And, and why this holdover of antagonism between the two exists, I think, is just a really big frustration of mine. Let me add to that. ACA is... A- a partner of ours, and uh, of course, our sponsor for this event. They have 402 companies in the pipeline right now. 385 of them or so are technology and manufacturing companies. Mm-hmm. 57 of them are mega projects. That's uh, a thousand jobs and somewhere between 500,000 and a billion dollar investment minimum. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of those will be mega projects. And uh, three years in in a row now, we've had the highest foreign direct investment of any other state in the United States. Last year, it was $58.5 billion. So imagine the massive growth of the demand for energy. All of us want that to be clean. Right. The demand is going to be high. There's no doubt about it. And it's great for our economy. But, you know, we're going to be stressed when it comes to energy. Great segue for prediction. Oh, go ahead. No, I just have a question. As someone who works in utility scale scale solar, um, and I don't have rooftop solar, would you recommend getting it now or waiting? If you're able to go solar now or within the next year, the current rules are still in play. So Mm -hmm. current solar owners are still compensated for APS. It's somewhere around like seven cents a kilowatt hour. If you go solar today, you're locked in for 10 years. So to anybody thinking about going solar, this isn't a sales tactic. It really truly is the best time to go solar. Uh, Don't wait till next year because we have no idea what this commission will do. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you could convince your company to go into our program. Yes. Get all of your employees <laughs> to go solar. Yeah. There you go. I think that makes sense. Let's do a lightning round around predictions, right? I think that was a great uh, tee up on behalf of uh, Steve and what we just spoke to. In the next five to 10 years, and we've talked about the challenges, we've talked about some of the highlights and really the demand for it. What are you guys predicting? How can we close out today's conversation with your predictions? 
I would say my sort of um, pessimistic prediction is that we're going to see a, a huge decline in the number of rooftop solar companies operating in the state of Arizona. Hmm. Uh, we work with dozens across the state for our co-ops, and I've heard from several who are leaving, downsizing, moving to Vegas, moving to California, mm-hmm. in part because of all the uncertainty at the ACC. So that's some some bad news. My positive prediction, I'm going to go for it. Uh, the Corporation Commission is going to flip from a Republican majority to a Democratic majority in 2024. Uh, Arizonans are going to be outraged and frustrated at the continual rate increases and lowering of solar credits. And this is going to be enough for them to flip that commission. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. You heard it here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Adrian, we're going to let you scoot while these uh, other folks finish up. Please take that coffee mug with you. It's mine and Steve's gift to you for spending time and, and sharing your expertise with us. We really appreciate you being and here we'll today. we'll Photoshop you into the That's pictures. right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, having thanks me. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. Predictions. Autumn. Wow. Adrian's going bold there. I, 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 that's, a, that's a bold prediction. I don't know. I'm just hoping the Republicans will see the light that this is not a partisan issue and that there is lots of things for people in each party to like and that there isn't a reason why you need to be a Democrat to appreciate solar. Um, as far as other predictions go, I mean, I am hopeful that the utilities are going to see the light on uh, virtual power plants and the importance of aggregation of battery storage on the residential side as far as reducing costs and reducing um, peak load. And one other thing I, I'm hoping for is that, you know, we're seeing increased opposition at the local level on both city and county levels to renewables at the utility scale. And to date, the utilities have been unwilling to engage in those issues. And at some point, you know, we've got to build this stuff somewhere. And so I'm hoping that utilities who have really large projections of renewables that they expect um, to be building over the next five to 10 years are going to start getting engaged in those policy discussions. Hmm. You know, from my purview, solar is kind of like the stock market. It ebbs and flows. It goes up and up and down. Right. And I think it's, it's here to stay, as I said earlier. And I think there's just whatever happens in the next few months or the next two years, we just have to get through it. But I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I think it's going to be a continuous growth trend. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we're seeing, you know, 20, 30% growth surpassing coal. So I don't think uh, on a global scale or even a domestic scale, it's going to gonna go away. And so it's just a matter of how how we ride this wave from a corporate perspective, at least my purview. May I make one? Please. <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping that we move the ball forward on what's called RTO. It's regional transmission. So there are bilateral agreements between states for moving power uh, across state lines. But for instance, if if we had a, a a large Western regional RTO, when Wyoming had access power and we had a high demand, they could transmit their power to Arizona. And it mm-hmm. would work with all the, the Western states, mm-hmm. right? So as one has a demand, the other one has an excess supply, you move the power around. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there are by bilateral agreements between states, but this would have the whole region working together in that way. And I think it would uh, change uh, the whole demand issue significantly. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm going to be marking all of these predictions (laughs) and paying attention to what happens. Autumn, we sure appreciate your willingness to be here today, even though you've, you've got your crew with you and hadn't anticipated that. All of the wisdom and the expertise that you two, each of you have shared today has been invaluable, and we greatly appreciate your time. You've been listening to AZ TechCast, brought to you by P3 
Phoenix Business Radio X. I almost forgot who I was. And AZ Tech Council. That is it the holiday yet? I think we're getting close. close. Yes, close. Thank, thank goodness. And we also want to, again, thank Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization, with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Arizona Commerce Authority, we appreciate you greatly as our sponsor. If you are interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to learn more about opportunities to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thank you again for joining us on AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.